0: The Lord just showed me, I want you to leave Tennessee, go to Louisiana. He said, I want you to start a place for girls who really want help. Because in the prison setup, I saw two groups of girls. I saw a group that wanted help, and I saw a group that didn't want help. So God showed me there should be a way for girls that want help to get the, the right kind of help.
1: Welcome to this week's Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Hi, I'm Paul Perot from Faith Radio. Gabe is off this week, but he left us with another great conversation that shows truly what the gospel can do to transform and restore lives. We want to get quickly to a conversation Gabe had with Nancy Alcorn of a ministry called Mercy Multiplied. Let's listen in. I
2: want to go back into the beginning of your story when all of this began and just give us kind of a summary of of your story and how it led to the ministry that you do today.
0: Okay. Well, right out of college, my first career job was with the government in Tennessee, and I spent five years at a... Basically, it was today's concept of juvenile delinquents that get in trouble and go to court, they send them to a group home, but back then they had no group home, so it was just one facility in the state of Tennessee, and so any teenage girl that got in trouble that was too young to go to prison would go to this facility that I I was athletic director there. And there were about 300 girls there at at any given period of time. And they were, they committed some kind of crime and they would get sent there for a year. So it was set up just like a women's prison with guards and mace. You know, I never used it on anybody, but they made us carried. It was just crazy. It was such a dream job for me because I was a new Christian and I had this preconceived idea that I was going to go there and evangelize and everything and, and lead people to Jesus and tell them, you know, it doesn't matter what you've done wrong. God loves you. And, yeah. you know, that was all in my heart. And the first week I was there, they had new employee orientation and went through the whole spill, a separation of church and state You can't share Christ. And so I was upset about that. And I went and talked to the warden. I, I waited about a month. Then I went to the warden. and I just said, listen, I need to tell you why I believe that I'm got this job at such a young age. And, and I just started, you know, spilling out my testimony to her. She goes, okay. She said, I'm a backslidden Baptist. I kind of get what you're talking about. She said, but you're only allowed to speak about your faith if they ask you questions. She, she said, I'm going to give you that much, but if, if I get any complaints, I'm going to be calling you in. So I, it was real easy to get those teenage girls to ask you questions if you said certain things. So I had a lot more liberty than I realized I would, but yet I could see their potential and I'd get to know them. And I would tell them, you know, there's nothing that God can't forgive you for. There's nothing you can't overcome. Then they'd go back to the same neighborhoods they came from all over Tennessee. Pimps were waiting on them. Drug dealers waiting on them. Gang members waiting on them. It was crazy, and we begin to hear of girls that were getting killed in street gang fights, getting murdered by pimps, getting uh, dying from accidental overdoses, uh, so, some that committed suicide because they believed the experts there and the government program, you can't change, you can't, you're damaged goods, you'll never be able to do this. You're, so they, they had no hope. I mean, the basic gospel is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. 11. These are the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. And all the experts that worked in that facility that had all the degrees behind their names told them the opposite.
2: Mm, and this is the challenge in our criminal justice system. Essentially, the more you start to learn about it and understand it is somebody who comes out of their one year. Mm-hmm. They're sent right back to the same environment, same cultural expectations for them. They're alone. No money. Just back in the same environment and the ability to be successful at that is very, very difficult. That's why the recidivism rate is so high. So many people just keep coming back through the same system. So you're seeing that firsthand. You're in your early 20s. Yes. And you get an idea that this isn't working.
0: Right. We had great facilities. There's big, huge campus. And I used to sit out on the steps of the gym during the meal break. And I used to dream about what would it be like if everybody in here had the freedom to share faith, that everybody was faith-filled, spirit-filled, speaking about Jesus. And I didn't realize then, I thought I was just daydreaming until the next thing, you know. But I spent five years there and Right around the end of my time there, I got recruited to, uh, By the, uh, I had a degree in criminal justice and, and the sports administration stuff. But I got recruited uh, to come to Nashville and work in emergency child protective services unit because of my criminal justice degree. And they knew they needed somebody that was not afraid to go out with the police in the middle of the night and see all mm-hmm. the stuff. So I prayed about that and I felt like God was saying, I want you to go do that. So I saw little boys being sodomized, little girls being raped, all the stuff that that we read about that we think surely that can't happen to these little kids. And I spent three years doing that right here in the inner city of Nashville, Tennessee. And I'd get called in the middle of the night. Back then it was beepers, you know, no cell phones. And have to go out with the police, and I saw horrible things, and I I just got so angry because it was just like, God, why do you have me doing this? Like, I I would have nightmares. I would have to see, uh, talk to the perpetrators. I had to fill out paperwork, and we had the authority to remove children in the middle of the night and put them into emergency foster care, then long-term foster care, and I knew a lot of what happens in those homes is also not good. So I was so frustrated, Gabe. And one day I just told God, I just said, I am just so ticked at you. Like, I'm so mad at you. What are you doing to me? Mm. And I just got real still. And I heard God say, you just spent five years dealing with angry teenage girls. And now I'm taking you back in time and showing you why they're so angry. Cause this is what happened to them when they were kids.
2: Wow. So you get this whole vision and you start to see more clearly God, mm-hmm. God's giving you eyes to see, ears to hear. You're seeing it in a new way. You're seeing a pattern that developed early in their childhood of a belief they had about their identity yep. and who they were. And that begins this process of you and God deciding we should do something different. Yes. So talk about what, what you did first.
0: Well, I spent a lot of time praying, but all along God was talking to me. And I was also very much underneath a great pastoral ministry at my church And had youth leaders that were very wise that I could, you know, spill my guts to because I had to process with somebody like, because you see a grown man violate a little girl, you want to kill him, you know, I I mean, that's real deal stuff, you know, like I had to deal with my own emotions. And then they would say, "God's showing you the evil and the earth, but he's also showing you that our struggles not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers like this is demonic stuff. Right. And so I had people praying for me during that time, but also guiding me and giving me wisdom. And I was growing spiritually myself. I needed to mature spiritually. But just walking through that eight years, I felt like it grew me up really fast. Mm-hmm. And I stayed in the word constantly because I had to, to, just to keep my sanity. And so basically after eight years, I, one day i heard the lord say now i'm i'm going to release you to to do the next thing and he said up and he it was very clear with me i've taken you through 8 years of showing you everything that the government has to offer all the experts of the world that get paid the big salaries to come in and do the psychological testing and the non christ centered counseling where they tell you you know you'll never be able to change yeah they just all, teach all you how stuff.
2: to you were you were learning there teaching you how to cope
0: right Coping.
2: but not necessarily change.
0: Right. So they would basically get people used to the idea that you're a loser in life and you're never going to be able to achieve anything or attain anything. And it would make me so angry because I knew the opposite was true. So finally I heard the Lord say one day, I've just taken you through eight years of showing you all the taxpayer dollars at all the programs that look good and sound good on paper Because I want you to know and understand that apart from me, there is no such thing as a transformed life, a changed heart, forgiven sin, that I'm the one who heals broken hearts. I'm the one that sets captives free. And no matter how many degrees the experts have by their name, you're not going to be tempted to call them to get help when when you move forward into what I'm calling you to do, because you have already seen that they don't have the answers. Mm. There's a scripture in the New Testament, I forget exactly where it is, but it says, God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. And I felt like that was the experts of the world apart from Christ, because how can you feel good about your work when you've got like a less than 3% success rate?
2: Right. And I think it's amazing that he showed you this. I remember reading your story. You have a great book. I just want to promote this book for everybody to hear about it right now. How many years ago did you write "Ditch the Baggage"?
0: Oh, that—that that, I wrote that one in uh, 2014.
2: Yeah, so it's been around a few years. I got my hands on it two yeah. years ago, read it, and was just blown away by watching way more detail than what we're able to talk about here today. Right of just Nancy's journey to start to see, understand, and what I love about this, and especially in our Q conversations with with our listeners is how God constantly is taking us back into our history, showing us areas in our own life where we've experienced brokenness, been exposed to something that's broken, that needs restored and renewed in our world, and how much that starts to become part of a journey and a storyline toward how God wants to use us and how he's calling us towards something that he wants to do in the world, but he needs an individual that's surrendered, that says, I'll, I'll do my best. I don't know if it'll work. And, and that's what I see when we're hearing Nancy's story Tap into that as you're thinking about your own story. That God's God's actually got a plan and assignment for you, very much like He has for Nancy. That she's still executing this day. So let's let's get back into the story now. You're okay. you're now at this point where God's calling you to do something.
0: Right. I'm like 28 years old, 29, and already had eight years of government work under my belt. Then just very clarity's long story, but the Lord just showed me I want you to leave Tennessee, go to Louisiana. It's a long story, but he made it very clear to me. That's where I was to go. So I'm back in Nashville saying, God, you know, give me, he said, I want you to start a place for girls who really want help. Because in the prison setup, I saw two groups of girls. I saw a group that wanted help and I saw a group that didn't want help. So God showed me there should be a way for girls that want help to get the, the right kind of help. So he said, I want you to take young women who really want help. Want you to you take them in free of charge? Start a place, start a residential program. For girls who really want help, they have to choose to come, uh, and it's twenty four seven. That they're for average of six months. And secondly, I want you to take them in free of charge because they need to be able to trust you that you're not trying to make money off their Which problems. That's
2: that's crazy. I mean, I every one of these treatment programs, wilderness programs, recovery opportunities. I, I've I've read about these programs. It can be anywhere from ten to thirty thousand dollars a month.
0: That's that's exactly right. And right? some and some of them are even sixty thousand a month now. It's grown to that like $2,000 a day kind of thing. And
2: God tells you many years ago, I want you to do this and I want it to be free of charge.
0: And I had nothing. I had no money. I mean, I had a little bit. I think (laughs) my friends had a going away party for me the night before I left Louisiana and gave me $1,000. So I left with a few clothes and my little dog and And take off. But, But see, here's what happened. He said, I want you to take them in free of charge. I want you to. Uh, not ever take government funding or any money that will restrict the freedom to share the full gospel of Christ. And the third thing that God was showing me was your needs will be met through your giving. So in other words, 10% of everything that comes into mercy, we we give. So God gave me that back in Nashville before I left to go start. And I'm like, none of this makes any sense to me. I don't even get my head around this. And he took me to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, trust the Lord with all your heart lean not to your own understanding, which is what I was trying to do, figure it out. He said, but uh, just acknowledge me in all your ways and I will direct your path. So I wrote those three things down. And so I'm back in Nashville praying, God, give me what I need. And I'll go start that program in Louisiana. And he goes, nope, that's not the way it works. It's not give me what I need and go. It's you go right? and your provision will be on the path that I have you on as you go. Yeah. I will
2: probably- So many people who are young right now and listening and know God has an assignment and a call in their life, that is one of the hang-up points, isn't it? Where's the resource? How's it going to happen? I need to understand the plan before I can take the risk or take the leap. And in your story, it's such a great example. I've seen this play out in so many people who are following Christ with reckless abandon. As you just go, I'm just going to jump. I don't know what's at the bottom of this, but I'm going I'm to go for it because I can trust him. Right. And so I'm loving that people are getting to hear your testimony, which, by the way, defeats the enemy, Right. Every time I yes. hear a testimony like yes. this of how the enemy never wanted something like this to start, never wanted these women to be rescued from the bondage and oppression they're in. And now he's been using you for years and thousands of lives to do this. So I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm excited for people to just be inspired by what God's done. Well, your story. I, you know,
0: I've been doing this 37 years and I'm more excited today than I've ever been because I know it If you know your team is going to win every time, like sports, I love sports, but sometimes my team loses. But with Christ, we can win in every situation. Yeah. If that person chooses to win, they have to choose to receive and all that. But uh, it's just awesome to see God transform lives. It's amazing.
2: 37 years now, you've been bringing women through multiple homes. So it started Mm -hmm. in Louisiana, Uh and now there's multiple homes. Right. Tell us more about that. Yeah, we have a
0: 40-bed facility in Nashville and in our three-story office building, which just serves as our international headquarters. And we have a 40-bed facility in Sacramento. We have a location in St. Louis. The original uh, Louisiana home is still there. And now we're in the U.K. and Canada and uh, New Zealand.
2: Okay, so now let's go back into you went through this process at the Juvie, Mm
0: -hmm. essentially
2: trying to help people cope with their problems. And you said, I'm going to start a program for people who want to be here But I want to hear kind of the – give us the way this program works to produce transformation. What is your philosophy on people who come in? Because the women who are coming in, they could be suicidal. uh, They could have gotten in trouble with the law. Give, give us some of the examples of, of the types of women who are coming in and, and how you approach all of them actually in the same way.
0: You know, one of the things that's so cool about the Word of God is that it's it's just like if you're sitting in a church service on Sunday morning, there could be 5,000 people in the room and the God, God may speak through one person 5,000 different ways according to what that person needs. So we take in girls that have severe eating disorders, uh, have been severely sexually abused, sex trafficked. Uh, a lot of girls are self-harmers, have had multiple suicide attempts in the past, unplanned pregnancy. Our philosophy is it doesn't matter what the problem is. Jesus Christ is the answer. And so it's not so much the what the issue is, it's getting to the root causes of what's underneath that. And I had an eating disorder myself many years ago. So I totally have a heart for those girls because I know that in my life, there was root causes and I had to get to the root issues before I could get set free. That's the worst. I mean, it's very hard. Like a drug addict can just stop doing drugs, you know, and you could get set free from that addiction, but with food, you have to eat. So it's not an all or none kind of thing. So it's very complicated, the eating disorder issues. And there's a variety of root causes. I won't get into that, but mm-hmm. it's, it's all different kinds of problems. But the, at the end of the day, Through the word of God and through the Holy Spirit and spirit led counselors, you know, and the teaching of the word and prayer and ministry one on one that we just begin to see this unbelievable transformation. Like this one girl that just graduated, I think, three months ago. I don't think she made eye contact with anyone or even looked at anyone for three months. She didn't smile for three months. And by the time she graduated, she was glowing, and she stood up there and boldly shared her testimony, and now she is homeschooling. Uh, she had a an education degree, but had a severe eating disorder, and she just couldn't function. And now she's homeschooling some people that are kind of high-profile people in Nashville, I won't say who they are, but and just doing a great job and yeah. connecting with the kids, and it, she is just in her sweet spot. It's <laughs> just amazing.
2: Well, what I think in this culture right now, it's actually – it's so countercultural to say hey the word of god is going to be part of our transformation story and and i know you don't ignore the science you have incredibly trained counselors right you're taking in the best best data of how the brain works how the mind works how disordering works but you also bring in the word of god and the truth and you're speaking that over their lives you're, right. you're making sure they're in environments where they're hearing that and i and i just think it's so important for everybody in this Q community to hear that story because sometimes in our culture, like that's not the cool story to tell, right? right? That we're going to preach over people. We're going to actually tell them who they are. We're going to speak the truth. We're going to remind them of who their identity is. We're going to actually acknowledge that there's spiritual warfare going on and that part of what your struggle is, is in the spiritual realm. And so we're going to come against all of these facets of it. And I just think there's not enough places where that's happening. And it's just, and I think for pastors who are listening right now, I know so many of my friends who are pastors, there are parents every day calling, texting, dealing with challenges that they're having with their children, mm-hmm, right? Who are right. struggling with everything that you just described. And parents are at a loss. They don't know how to help. Many of our churches don't necessarily know what to do. Right. Um, here you have been for 37 years creating these homes all over the country. And I know you have vision for many, many more of right. these homes to continue to to go. You also have a ability for teenagers to be a part of this. So mm-hmm. so let's talk a little bit about the age groups, because what I want is any parent, any pastor, anybody who has a friend who has a, a friend going through something, a teenager, and you can kind of give us the parameters so that people can practically take action if they want to be a part of it. As time goes forward, I know you have very limited space, but we want you to know this exists because right. this is going to be a great help. It's going to transform somebody's life. So tell us a little more about the program, how people could get involved or apply or refer a friend.
0: Yeah, if you go to our website, mercymultiplied.com. MercyMultiply.com. you all the information is there we have an interactive portal where people who want information about how to apply to the program or if they just want to learn more about it, if they could even call us if they prefer to have a conversation, but all the information that you need a, a person would need to know about what we do is there pictures of the buildings you can take virtual tours, all that kind of stuff. We deal with uh, girls ages 13 to 32. The girls that are minors have to go to the Nashville home because it's Nashville location where the minor, we have a, a, a younger age clientele there. And that's where the pregnant girls come to Nashville as well, the girls that are dealing with unplanned pregnancy. One example I could give to people that are interested in, well, how are y'all different? Is you mentioned identity. The identity is so important. Well, for a girl who's been a drug addict, that is her identity. If she's gone to um, Narcotics Anonymous or, or Alcoholics Anonymous for girls who are addicted to alcohol, they will tell them, "Hi, my name is Nancy, and I'm I was once an addict, and I'll always be an addict." Or, "Hi, my name is Nancy. I was once an alcoholic. I will always be an alcoholic." So, just that notion itself that becomes their identity, their issue. So. One of the first things we do is go, that is that's what you're dealing with, but that's not your identity. And so as they receive Christ or rededicate their life to Christ, whichever it may be, we teach them, Second Corinthians 5 17 it says, if any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things are new. So we we tell them, don't call yourself a recovering addict. You're a new creation in Christ, you're a daughter of the king. And it's amazing how that alone shifts them into a such a mindset as long as you identify with your issue your issue still you're still attached to that thing. right and it's attached
2: to you what would you say to parents who are listening and they're they're not quite sure their child or teenagers at a place where they need to go to a program right where they could be away from their home for six months I know for a lot of parents they can't even imagine or fathom the thought of that right But for parents who are questioning, is it really that serious? You know, I I just went through this with another friend of mine whose son went to a wilderness program, and it took a while for the parent to finally get to the place to go, you know what, my child needs this. This is the best thing for their future, even at a young age, to actually go do something like this. So speak to those parents who are on the fence right now, they're like, you know, how can they know whether it's... This serious, like right. what, well, what are kind of the warning signs they're looking for?
0: Well, one of the things that I say, first of all, I want to know. Obviously, a lot of our girls we work with come from broken families, and some have been less, maybe underprivileged to some degree. But we, but we actually uh, have some of the best parents that I've ever met. Have been through girls walking through the doors, pastors' daughters coming with an unplanned pregnancy, and what I would say to parents is, first of all, don't wait till it's so bad. Listen. What's wrong with nipping something in the bud? If you if you see warning signs about anything, and we also have outpatient services as well for people that if they're not sure they can come in, they can meet with us. We we can maybe have somebody that's maybe if they don't think their daughter's ready for that, we have an eight week freedom key study that we could yeah. do, and we're, we're going to start doing more and more of that as a part of our outreach. But I would say to parents, you know, you've done everything that you can to try to raise your kids right, and you've taught them the things of God, and you've had them in church. Sometimes the enemy hits your kid because of the call of God that's on that family's life and on that particular child's life. So it may be not so much about what you did wrong, but what you did right, and it's just an attack of the enemy. So, for example, we just had one girl who she raised in church her whole life, and her mom and dad passed her like a mega church in another state great pastors great leaders help everybody else's kid but when it came to their own they were just like so they called me and we talked for a couple hours on the phone and i said listen you guys need to be okay with let because she wanted to come Mm -hmm. and and because her family's high profile we sent her out to our california home which was the father's one way I said to them, "You've sewed into the lives of all these other families. God's going to take care of this, but you're too emotionally involved. Right? So let her come. Let us have her. Trust us with her. And she's been back home now, probably six months, and they are just elated. It's <laughs> awesome. So, yeah,
2: transformed. And that's the point of your program: is the the woman or girl has to choose to come. Nobody yep. can force their child to go through this program. Exactly. But the person." decides they take agency and go I want to go through this transformation this is what I need which right. I'm sure helps you start in a place like you did with half those girls back in juvie who knew they needed help right the other half didn't you're working with people who know they need help well right I'm so glad your story exists I'm so glad you've been so faithful for so many years to begin this and I know this work the years go on we see an increased need for these kind of environments and I I don't see that need going away how can people support you if they're going, because here's the thing, audience, <laughs> they're doing this for no cost. So parents are sending, and and it's all based on 100% like giving, donations, right. churches, families, parents, individuals, donating funds right. to make this sort of thing possible. So if you're not in a situation, and I don't do this often, you guys know this on this podcast, to where I'd make an appeal to you to do this, but I want to in this situation because I think it's such a gift to people who need it. Many parents are in a position where... They're not able to give anything to support this, but others are. There might be a time in your life where your child could need this or somebody you know could. Go to mercymultiplied.com because it's at that website. You can not only learn and see all about what they're doing, but you you could sponsor and scholarship a child to go through a program that cost a lot of money. And when you start to understand the numbers, you realize what a gift this is to the body of Christ. I want more and more people to know about you guys. Thank you. Because I know when I heard your story, It really impacted me, and I'm so glad that it's there for people, but they need to know about it, and you need to tell your friends, and let's take advantage of another piece of uh, this outpost of the kingdom of God that's at work in our nation because of your faithfulness.
1: Hopefully, you've heard Gabe talk before about being a restorer Christian. It's not just a matter of finding forgiveness in Jesus. As you heard from Gabe's conversation with Nancy Alcorn, the power of God and the gospel makes possible restoration and renewal of lives. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Remember, more great talks are available as a subscriber to the Q Media platform at qideas.org. I'm Paul Perot. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.